Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rockalypse Music Workshops presented by Syncopated Noise Foundation and Long McQuaid. My name is Alessia, and I will be your host today. I am the president of the foundation, a Montreal-based nonprofit organization. Before we begin, I'd like to do our Indigenous land acknowledgement. The Syncopated Noise Foundation acknowledges that we're airing these events from the unceded traditional territory of the Kanyankahaka, a place which has, apologize for that, a place which has long served as a site of meeting and exchange amongst many First Nations whose presence here reaches back to time immemorial. For those of you who are attending the Rock Lips Music Workshops for the first time, our mission is to empower independent musicians by providing free access to music business knowledge and learn directly from music industry professionals. These events are free to attend thanks to Factor Canada, Long McQuaid, Roland, and our donors. The format of today's workshop will be a little bit different than our previous ones. It will be in the form of a live Q&A with renowned Montreal rock band, The Damn Truth. And we're here today with Dave and Tom and their manager, Ralph. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Great. Hey, Thanks for having us. Great. Great. I'm really excited to, uh, to have a chat with you today. So thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, we're going to get started right away. So I'll be asking you a few questions and then we'll get into the questions from, uh, from the audience. So um, I know you might have been asked this question maybe a million times, <laughs> uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about how the damn truth started. Um, I met Leela at, uh, at like at a hippie festival, and uh, we just connected uh, immediately. Started playing music together, and uh, um, you know things started to evolve from there. Um, moved to Montreal met Dave, um, and we put a band together, and uh, the rest is history kind of thing. Awesome. Dave, you want to add a little bit to that? Yeah, well, I mean, at the, at the time when I joined the fold, the damn truth was not really like the damn truth yet. I mean, we were all kind of like hired to play, uh, to play as a backing band for, for assigned artists at the time. This is actually a few years before the damn truth actually became a thing, you know? the the project that we were involved in didn't really last too too long but i mean we were all in the room together already mm -hmm. playing together already having a great time together and uh you know it didn't take long before we realized that we had something kind of special amongst the the four of us at the time tom leela myself and our, our previous bass player david the band actually started at that point with us doing a lot of cover shows and cover material before we actually began to write and compose and, and become the mm. damn truth. But at the, at the seed, I mean, we were just musicians trying to, you know, forge uh, like a path, forge a career, as, not only as artists, but as just, you know, as musicians. So, I mean, we, we took, we all decided to take a gig to play behind an artist and we were playing covers and doing all that stuff. Eventually it led into composition and, and original material and shows and touring and all that stuff. Awesome, very cool. And um, about three months ago, you guys released a new album, right? Now or Nowhere. Uh, so tell us about the new album. Uh, me? Okay. So, sorry, I'm just in the car. I'm on my way to a gig, so it's a bit uh, weird. But, uh, in between gigs. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly. Awesome. Actually, Leela's right here. She's driving the car. Hi, Leela. Hey, guys. Um, 
now nowhere. So um, most of it was uh, written on the road actually before COVID. Um, after we finished our second album, um, uh, Devilish Folk, we uh, toured it in, like extensively all the time. I mean, we were on the road for about four years, I think. We've uh, been through, through Canada like six or seven times and then the States a couple of times and then went to Europe. And uh, the tours just kept on coming. Like, we kind of had to make a, a decision to, to get off the road and, and to stop for a second and, you know, make a record because it was time. And I, I, I felt that we had really strong material. Um, one, one interesting thing about uh, the making of the record was that, uh, well, while on tour in Europe, we kind of discussed, you know, how are we going to make this album? We had this vision of making it with, uh, with a producer that we never worked with before. And uh, kind of like it's in the in a seventy style manner, where like the band was going to play all the music together, you know, in, in the same room as we usually do it. But like we wanted to push it even further, so uh, we just started throwing out names in the van of like who could possibly be producing this thing. And obviously, uh, you know, we just kind of threw out names of dream producers like George Martin from the Beatles. That obviously is not a long, no longer with us. But the second name was uh, Bob Rock, you know? And uh, it turns out that Ralph here uh, happens to have a relationship with a guy. And uh, maybe he can tell you how, uh, how uh, that happened. Yeah, and I would love to hear uh, your experience working with him. That must have been incredible. <laughs> well, I, I met Bob Rock in, in the early 90s when he, had a, he was starting a group called Rockhead where he decided, uh, I mean, he had, he had been in the payolas before, and then he, then he switched over to engineering and producing, and he decided that he wanted to rock out again. And so I was very briefly, when I was working at Capitol Records, I was his uh, product manager. Um, but I never finished that project because I, I quit Capitol and, and moved to Vancouver, funny enough. Uh, but then I, I reconnected with Bob um, in the early 2000s, uh, when he, they put the payolas back together again, and uh, I sort of became their manager very briefly, and uh, so I had that connection because I also work with his songwriting partner Paul Hyde. So it's a real entanglement. And uh, my thing with the damn truth was, you know, if we can get the the best songs together, um, I can go through the channels and we can get get to Bob. I sent Bob a direct email and just said, you know, um, how does it work? I've never worked with him as a producer, just more as a, as an artist. And, uh, it was kind of like, you know, send me the demos and then we'll see what happens. And, um, it all worked out. He liked the songs, he liked the band. And, um, uh, and, uh, eventually we, we had a, a conference call with, with the group and, uh, just to feel each other out. And, uh, uh, cause we, we had a very short, time with him because he was on his way back he lives in hawaii so he was in a conference in, in hamburg germany and he's, he was going to stop in vancouver for about four or five days and then he was going to go home to hawaii so we basically had so we just had this like four or five day window with him so the fastest, best way to do it is to play live off the floor. He just wanted to be sure that the band could do it. And uh, we recorded something live off the floor for him. And he really liked it. And he goes, okay, let's do it. 
And uh, it worked out really, really well, I thought. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that. Yeah, congratulations on, uh, on, uh, on the album. That's, that's really incredible. Um, you also had a chance to, uh, to perform a few shows, a few live shows uh, during the uh, pandemic. I know you guys played at the Montreal Royal Mount Theater. Uh, the drive-in theater. Uh, you also recently played a fundraiser, uh, Rockfest for la Santa Mental. Um, so, how was that experience to uh, perform in front of people again? I would say, in both cases, honestly, it's felt a little bit surreal. You know, uh, especially last year, during the month of August. At that time, there hadn't been any shows. Uh, I don't even remember. It's all a blur. It was close to a year at that point. The pandemics, the lockdowns, the continual stress. I mean, everything was just for ourselves and for everybody on the planet, very overwhelming. So when the opportunity came to perform, you know, for us, it was very, very, very exciting. It was honestly at the time a little bit scary and a little bit kind of worrisome because we didn't know what was going on. How's it going to be? What's What's really the vibe here? Is it safe? Is it dangerous? Is it, you know, mm -hmm. but it was just overall really exciting because we had gone through a period of, you know, close to a year of, uh, I could speak for myself, almost feeling like we were kissing that part of life goodbye in a sense, you know, mm -hmm. and when we finally actually got an opportunity to say, we're getting back on stage, we're going to play, we're going to play for people. We're not doing it for an iPhone live stream thing. It was, <laughs> yeah. it was really, really, really exciting. But at the same time, you know, we can't ignore the fact that we played for cars, you know, it was, it right. was a drive-in <laughs> show. So you have all these cars which are parked uh, in a parking lot. You know, people are, uh, were permitted to, uh, you know, luckily in the province of Quebec, people are permitted to leave their vehicle during a live stream show in Ontario and in other pe places. I mean, you, you were not even allowed to leave your car. So it was exciting. There was people standing on their cars, standing on the backs of their pickup trucks. It was like a little mini, uh, I don't want to say a Woodstock, but I mean, you had all these like little gatherings of people on their pickup trucks, basically like a tailgate party. We did two shows that day, which is probably wow. one of the most exhausting things that we've ever <laughs> done. Two headline shows, two 90-minute sets, one in the blazing sun and one at night. And the first one was exciting. The second one was even more exciting, but exhausting, you know? For this sure. year we got back on stage, you know, again, uh, uh, basically a full year later, you know, we played at the Rockfest Saint-Emantel a few days ago, and that was like a real show. That was, you know, ticketed people, audience, almost a mosh pit. Felt a little weird, but I mean, you know, for us on stage, it was, you know, there's nothing more gratifying and exciting and exhilarating than kicking off a show and just like, you know, you're in a, you're in a blur, it's like a dream. So the show was amazing. All our fans were there and they were able to celebrate our record that just came out because I mean, we didn't really have a record release show or tour. Mm -hmm. So it was unofficially the kind of like record release show. A lot of good uh, energy and intensity at the show. It was, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, I was there. I, I can more. say that it was amazing. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> I think there was uh, there's, there's definitely two ways of looking at it. It could be, oh my God, I can't wait for everything to you know go back to normal or whatever. Who knows if it ever will, really? But um, you know, the, the, the way that I choose to look at it is like, hey, I mean, like, what an opportunity, you know? It's like uh, I we I definitely don't take it for granted that we got to play two you know festival shows uh, last year when nobody else in Montreal really got to play anything, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and even now to play like to headline a rock festival, like in the summer of 2021, it's like, we don't, I definitely don't take it for granted. It's, it's a, just, 
it's amazing that we're able to do it. And uh, even if it's in a smaller capacity, just the fact that, you know, we're being considered for those opportunities, it's, it's amazing. That's amazing. And also that show was, a, was a fundraiser, right, for, uh, for mental health. So another also really great cause. A lot of people have been struggling. So it's very nice that you guys uh, played a, play a fundraiser like that. So really, really cool. And I, like I said, I was there. It was a really awesome show. I also really enjoyed uh, Pierre Yves' uh, fur coat. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's a show. So dress up. Very nice. And in terms of like the release, I mean, you guys uh, released an album during the pandemic and we have a lot of uh, artists, independent artists who attend our, our workshops just to learn more about the music business. So I wanted to ask you, what was it like to kind of, you know, release an album during the pandemic and what recommendations would you give um, any artists who are looking to release new music uh, during these times, given that there's also like limited show opportunities. It was just like a wild adventure to put it out during the pandemic because it's really like uncharted territory, let's say, you know, I mean, we kind of wrote our plan as we went. I mean, we, we, we made the decision to put out the record because like deep inside of us, we kind of, you know, we didn't really set an expiration date, but kind of said to ourselves, how long are we going to wait? How long is this going to last? Are we going to wait till the end? When is the end? Is it in a few months? Is it in a few years? Is it in a, is it in a decade? Like, you know, we had this material, we had this exciting opportunity to release this material produced by Bob Rock. For us, it feel, it always, it felt and continues to feel like the big, the, a big step for the band, like artistically and creatively and, and, and as music. So we've been very excited to put it out and we felt that we waited too long. We almost wanted to put it out even sooner, you know? So, I mean, I think we all told ourselves that just looking at the lay of the land, so many artists were, from what we could tell, holding off on their releases and sitting in the sidelines. A lot of big major artists you know were not putting out their music canceling their tours putting their plans on hold so it was uh, we took a leap of faith you know when we decided to to put out the record we said let's do it you know maybe there's an opportunity to capitalize on the fact that you know people are mm -hmm. some artists some bigger artists some bigger rock artists are on are on the sidelines and rock and roll it's very although it's niche it's very crowded especially in canada as a market it's like you're in competition with so many amazing artists as well as amazing legacy artists you know for airplay and tours and stuff it's it's very very challenging so you know we took that decision on the assumption that maybe you know this was the moment the moment we had been waiting for mm -hmm. and there's a lot of like you said a lot of competition when it comes to releasing an album so like you always have to kind of check what else is going on so there's like does ralph assist you with obviously like planning the releases and what kind of advice can you give artists that are trying to like kind of stand out you know in the whole <laughs> social media, <laughs> online world. Well, I mean, we really put like a huge emphasis on social media, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, our band has has always been and continues to be really connected to our fans through social media. Like most people, we feel like we could do it better, but um, social media is really like the backbone of, of, of music. So normally in rock and roll, you would tour an album. We didn't have the possibility of touring yeah. this album. We didn't have the possibility of leaving our house at some point. So, I mean, we had to double down on social media and, and try to initiate campaigns where we would be more present on social media, have more content, have more videos, have more image, be really in the thick of social media on a daily basis. And I mean, that became like a big part of releasing the record. You know, that's kind of like, um, 
within, you know, with, with the band ourselves, we can really manipulate on a daily basis is how we interact with people and how we, we spread and promote the message. So during the pandemic, we had a campaign called Songs We Love, which was, you know, video, uh, basically like a video diary cover record, you know, cover songs that we were putting out. And, and we got a lot of really positive engagement and a, a lot of fans, a lot of growth even, you know, during the pandemic. So when it came time to release, we said to ourselves, well, you know, we can't do the same thing, but let's do something, you know, big in a sense, you know, let's kind of put ourselves out there uh, as much as possible. So we created this video diary called uh, Week in the Damn Life. That was really cool, actually. I, I really enjoyed that. You know, you guys were posting a lot about the behind the scenes of the recording. And that was really cool because you were kind of like telling a story. I really, really like that. Well, the feedback from people has been just basically like amazing, you know, mm -hmm. that the band was kind of showcasing really kind of in, in the best way that we could throughout the pandemic, how, you know, how we're releasing the record, what we're doing. And, you know, kind of carving up a little slice of our own personal selves to share with people because, I mean, we tried to be honest and we tried to be human throughout the process because the whole release was both exciting and completely, like, frightening, you know? Um, and we think that we kind of, like, shared that with people. But, I mean, the, um, the release of the record basically, you know, was via that channel, that, that video diary. Mm -hmm. um, alongside like more traditional campaigns uh, for marketing, but social media has really been like the the heart and soul of uh, promoting this record. Okay. Yeah, mean, the other funny thing about the release is uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we also got an offer from another label, so we switched labels in in the middle of um in the middle of that cycle. Uh, so that presented a whole bunch of other uh, challenges, but which were all actually very positive. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's basically, you never know what's gonna happen. You just have to be ready to roll with it. You know what I mean? Like uh, you may be going down one highway and then all of a sudden you got a detour right away and go somewhere else. So it's just, just always have a constant heads up and not be too attached to any one plan because it's invariably going to have to change. For sure. And especially during the pandemic, everything was constantly changing. So I can only imagine how, how challenging that must've been just to plan everything out. Yeah, you can't really. I mean, I, I talked <laughs> to, you know, um, I mean, at the beginning of the album, we were with, with Warner music and then towards the end of the album, we're with Spectra Sony and nobody really has any answers. I mean, I, I had a chat with, with the head of, of Warner and, you know, it's like, we're just making it up as we go, you know, yeah, and, exactly. and, and the same with our current situation, you know, it's just, uh, if, if a door opens, just run through it as fast as you can before it closes. For sure. Um, and also I wanted to ask you, ask you about the, uh, the music video <laughs> uh, for This Is Who We Are Now. That was, uh, that was crazy. Like Dave, everybody was upside down, but like Dave was like strapped in. Can you just tell me like how that <laughs> that experience was like? Actually, I was the only one who was upside down. Uh, everybody got taken for a wild ride during like the filming of that video. But I was mm -hmm. really no. Actually, we were all uh, we were all strapped to, to the box. Sorry, uh, sorry, Tom. Don't want to steal any any of your thunder. But, yeah, I wasn't sure. I'm like, were they all? Yeah, no, there was like, moments where everybody Dave. was kind of like. But you know, essentially for the for the filming of this is who we are now. Uh, we partnered up 
again with this film company called IO, just an amazing mm -hmm. production company from Montreal who have like just been behind the band in a major way for a very long time. And we, you know, I'll stop to say that we owe these guys like uh, so much. Just like, you know, they love the music and they, and they want to support and encourage the damn truth. So they came, they came to us with, with an idea where a set would be constructed, which is basically a recreation of several rooms, you know, rooms which represented our rehearsal space, rooms which represented our personal space, and a, um, um, and this kind of like set would be mounted on a revolving, kind of a rotating mm -hmm. apparatus box. is the only way to say it. So, you know, what did you guys call it the death box? What was it we called it the death box. Which was very, very, very scary. I mean, I was completely like overwhelmed at the idea that I would be playing upside down. I mean, my drum set and all of our equipment and the whole set was basically fixed to the set. And the set would revolve, you know, a full 360 degrees and keep revolving um, while we were filming. Dave had video. to be, uh, Dave, had, Dave really had to be strapped in. Um, they hired this guy from Circus LA who was like, uh, I don't know what he, uh, what's his job title exactly, but uh, he basically, he, kind of, but he basically like uh, is a harnessed expert, you know? So he basically explained to us that usually people, even like professional uh, circus uh, athletes in Circus LA, they have about two to three weeks um, to like get to know the harness and like get into shape before they start doing these crazy stunts. And we basically had, I don't know, a half an hour, you know? <laughs> so it was pretty challenging physically, mostly for Dave, but uh, I definitely cracked, I cracked the rib. Leela sliced oh her God. hand open. PY, uh, it was completely gone, like always. And Dave is the real hero of this whole thing. <laughs> he had to hang like upside down for, for like a better part of a day. And I was, it's like, it was, uh, it was challenging. But I think that the result is, is, is amazing. And it's like one of our best performing videos for sure. Um, and I think the, uh, it was totally worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, I found that was like super unique, the whole concept and everything. Plus, I was telling Dave, uh, it's like, you know, Tommy Lee. <laughs> now we're going to expect a performance of Upside Down, Dave. <laughs> Something I never expected that would happen to me in my natural life, obviously. Uh, just, you know, they came with the idea, but they also came with the means to put it together. And, uh, the, you know, there was a third company involved in building the set. And, I mean, they as well are fans of the damn truth. And just everybody who collaborated on, on the process were... Are fans of the band so it wouldn't have been possible if you know people's hearts weren't in the project from from the get-go you know uh, everybody wanted to see this thing through everybody wanted this crazy idea to happen and i mean we're just at the heart of it kind of witnessing all these people making this like i don't want to say miracle but this magic trick happen i mean you know we get on stage and we play rock and roll we don't build revolving 360 degree circus rides to shoot music videos in but you know i guess we do <laughs> so it was crazy i mean that during the awesome. day it was it was hard I, I broke down uh very early in the day because it was physically challenging for sure how do you even play upside down where your sticks like flying off upside, they, upside down you? is not hard actually when you're upside down you could just hang and the way i was strapped in it's like nothing was going to happen other than me dropping my sticks like that's the worst thing that could happen but when the box was was on its side it required a lot of strength and i'm not that strong a guy my abs my legs my torso my whole body was like trembling you know and after sure. the first scene 
I felt like I wasn't going to be able to last a day doing that. I like in my mind, something snapped. I needed to get out. I walked out, I had to get some air. Uh, my girlfriend came and consoled me. And then, I mean, you know, after a little bit of uh, coaching from the gang, uh, we, we managed to, I managed to get back. Amazing. Very, very cool. Yeah. Great. Um, I have a question now for, uh, for Ralph. Um, how long have you been working with the Dan Truth and uh, what are some of the challenges or some positive aspects or, of being an artist manager? As I mentioned before, we have some attendees that are uh, music business students. So if you could just tell us a little bit about your career. Oh, okay. Well, I, I started working with the Dan Truth in 2012. Uh, because I had just opened a record store art gallery in Montreal. And I think Tom and Leela came in. They're probably the first or second customers. And they were buying really cool records. So I kind of went, hey, are you guys in a band? And they're like, yeah, we're in a band called The Damn Truth. And we just put out a single. You can download it from our website. And so we downloaded it. We played it in the store full blast. Really liked it. And at the time, I, I, well, I still have. I have an indie record label called Bongo Beat. And I suggested to them that I distribute their album. So because I have all the official distributors and, and that would enable them to uh, apply for factor and similar grants. And, and then it just built from there, uh, you know, from there, once they had official distribution, then they were able to get on Shom. Once they got on Shom, um, other things happened. We, we got on the radar of Warner Music Canada who approached us for distribution. Um, and then once that happened, we got approached by another record label. So it's all, I mean, it's, 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 it, it's almost like an eight or 10 year process, uh, but it's all little incremental steps that have taken us to where we are today. And, um, as far as being a manager, uh, I mean, it's hard. It's not, there's, there's, there's no real traditional way of doing it. I mean, it, you, I mean, the way we work as a band is it's more of a collective. It's not a top-down situation. It's, um, we make collective decisions and then I relay them to the people in suits. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm like the conduit. Uh, I mean, the reason uh, it works is because I used to work at record labels. So mm -hmm. um, my history goes way back. I, uh, I started at a record label in Toronto called Attic Records. And we, we were the first guys that signed Katrina and the Waves. And we also had Anvil, Lee Aaron. So I, I have a whole history of hard rock metal behind me. And then, uh, and then I worked in management with Honeymoon Suite and, uh, and then I got hired by Warner Canada to be in charge of all their wow. Canadian artists. And then Capitol Records thought I was uh, doing that pretty good. So they hired me away from Warner. <laughs> and then I, I, I uh, decided to quit all that. And I, I moved to Vancouver and I worked at Network Records, which was, you know, at the time, a super hip record label. And... Uh, but always learning and working with different artists and different managers and, and you see how, how things work. And so it's a lot of experience you can bring to the table and also uh, people in the industry. I have one of those names that people know 
So it helps to open doors. And my reputation is, is, I mean, it's all about reputation. If you have a good reputation, uh, a lot of things happen, right? Um, So luckily, Knockwood, I haven't, I haven't pissed anybody off and uh, (laughs) everything, everything is all good. But, uh, you know, there is no set way, you know, you just, uh, because every band is different. Every single is different. I mean, if there was a formula, I mean, we would all be rich, you know, but Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a kind of a basic path. Um, what is one key skill? If you have to say like, you need this skill to be, you know, an artist manager, what would it be? Uh, patience. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because I mean, you, it's, I call it herding cats, right? Like when you're dealing with a, a whole bunch of people, it's, you've got four different ideas, four different ways of looking at things. And you've got to somehow find the middle ground where everybody's happy but then you have to take that to the record label who which of course has their own ideas of how things should be Mm -hmm. so you have to uh i guess be some kind of mediator type guy you know just have a level head and be able to listen to both sides and see i mean ultimately it's it's what works best for the band um and luckily the label we're working with now are, are is very artist oriented. So they're very sympathetic to our concerns, right? Mm-hmm. So and you was you were gave us a little tool before. You right now you're in an art gallery. So you're you're also an artist. Like what's going on? <laughs> uh I could take a whole hour with my story, <laughs> but uh uh basically uh after I left uh network, I, I was doing work for uh, uh iTunes, iTunes Canada. Um, before uh, there was the concept of playlists, um, iTunes had a concept called essentials, which were kind of like there they they was the beginning of the playlist era. And so I was in charge of all of that for Canada, creating Canadian uh, playlists and taking American ones. And, and then, uh, and then uh, th- that was great job, great people. But uh, at one point, uh, Apple decided because I was a contractor. So they decided that uh, no more contractors. It was all going to be done in-house. And so that was a really sweet job that I lost. And uh, just by coincidence, I had been selling records at record shows. And people were always going, you know, where's your, where's your record store? And I go, I don't have one. And my wife wanted to do a pop-up art show with a friend of ours who's an artist. And I, I looked on Kijiji and there was an ad that says art, that said art gallery for rent. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> and so we, we found this space it was like a totally funky space on, in St. Henry, St. Jacques, you know, the, the ceilings falling down. It's like, it's like 120 years old, but there was something very magical about it. And we did, we did live shows and, and, uh, but I still, you know, kept my hand in, in music and, and working with bands. And, uh, and I think, you know, meeting the damn truth kind of revitalized uh, my love of, you know, working with bands. And, and I think with, with this band, I think my goal is to avoid all the mistakes 
that all the other bands I've worked with mm-hmm. have made, you know, like, uh, uh, because it's, it's, it's a struggle. And if you make the wrong move, it, the domino effect of that carries over for many years, you know what I mean? So, um, so having, having gone through it, like, especially when I was working with Honeymoon Suite, like we, we toured all over Europe, we toured all over North America, and they had they had a top ten single on Billboard, you know, and um, but then there was internal things within the band. I mean, they 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 are second album. they they had an album produced by Ted Templeman, you know, which is I guess would be the the '80s equivalent of Bob Rock. And uh, there's just a couple of mistakes that happened, and you know, the the American door closed to them. So these are all valuable mm-hmm. things. You you, you know we can we can i can bring to the damn truth and and move forward that way for sure and we also have uh, other people wearing different hats like dave i know you have your um your studio freak shop so i mean how do you how do you also juggle that with you know your music career and your life like how do you i always wondered how do you do it <laughs> that's a good question i mean just work spend a lot of time making music i mean the 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 setup which i have personally is that I have a very accommodating girlfriend, I have a very accommodating band, and I have a very accommodating business partner in the studio. So everybody is kind of like part of the big team. You know, mm-hmm. Freak Shop wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for my bandmates and vice versa. It has been an invaluable asset to our band, and the band has been an invaluable asset to my studio. Just being part of a rock and roll music scene and being able to participate in shows and meet tons of artists and use the studio as a platform to promote the band and the band as a platform to promote the studio. I mean, it all kind of goes hand in hand. It's one big, like, uh, kind of business venture in a sense, you know. But uh, I do I do work a lot. I do have very, very, very long days, but I love and have passion for everything, every minute of it, Every you know. You live and breathe oh. music. 24 hours a day. Pretty much, yeah, which, was, which is the childhood dream, you know, which is the thing that, you know, they said you couldn't do. So I'm unbelievably proud and uh, excited to, to be able to continue to do it because, you know, I have a successful band, I have a successful business, and, you know, we're a big family that's, that's making it happen. So um, it's all rock and roll, basically. Amazing. And also, uh, Tom and Lina, this question for you. You also have a son, and I, I pretty very much enjoyed <laughs> his performance on the stage <laughs> at the show. Um, also, how do you how do you juggle that as well? I know there's a lot of other you know musicians that are parents, and like, how does Lila do it as a mother? Like, just you know, kind of keeping everything together. You know, uh, I don't really know uh, how to answer how to answer to what the right answer is. We never really stop. There's to no think right about answer. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but. Uh, we just do it. I mean, um, I remember when, uh, let's see, one second, we're just crossing into Ontario. So say hi to everybody. Hi. Going to a gig and he's, <laughs> he's here in the back. I mean, well, I mean, I remember when, uh, when Leah was nine months pregnant, we still played shows and we opened for uh, Three Days Grace, I think, at that point. Um, just never stopped. And then he was born and uh, we did our first Cross Canada tour when he was two months old. My parents in the van and Leah used to pump breast milk and you know run after shows to to feed band all that and uh just never looked back i don't know there was 
for sure. Like this, some people, you know, thought it was amazing. Other people thought he was like, you know, making a big mistake. Uh, I don't, I really don't care. You know, it's like, uh, we do what feels right for us. And, mm -hmm. uh, very, definitely very proud of our little family here. He seems like he really enjoys it. I could see him being a rock star growing up. <laughs> you, you're going to be a rock star when you grow up? He said he would love to. I <laughs> prefer excited, if he good. was a dentist, honestly. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate being a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's yeah, what's you happening. You have your answer. <laughs> yeah, now you know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Cool. Awesome. So just one uh, last closing question. So what's next for the damn truth? Do you have any shows planned? Do you have any tours? So what, what, else, what, what else are you guys working on right now? Uh, I think that, uh, I think, I mean, we have a couple of tours booked, uh, some stuff that I can't, we can't really talk about yet, but uh, right now it's kind of like, even though everything is kind of solidly booked and it looks like, Hey, we're, we're doing it. I personally, uh, I'm trying not to get my hopes too high because <laughs> The way the world is uh, going, you know, I just don't want to be disappointed. But uh, mm -hmm. we're kind of just like we're taking it day by day. Uh, if the opportunity is there and if, if we can do all the things that we plan on doing, we're definitely going to do it. And we're going to do them 100 percent. But uh, if we're not going to get to do the things that we have planned, uh, that's one beautiful thing about us. That we adapt, you know, so mm -hmm. we'll find other things to do and we'll find other ways to, uh, you know, keep going. I mean, it's like, uh, it's no plan B here. That's it. Awesome. Cool. And, uh, Dave, I know you also have something coming up at your studio. Um, you're planning some, is it tomorrow? You're planning something? Yeah. Tomorrow. Tell I us. mean, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, the recording studio freak shop has been basically in existence for the last 10 years. And my partner and I, under normal circumstances, we would have thrown like some kind of banger event, live bands, performances, all this stuff. But, you know, it's, you know, we all know what it is, what's going on in the world. So, I mean, tomorrow we're basically hosting a kind of like a virtual event uh, where we're showcasing, I believe it's about 23 or 24 artists wow. that we've worked with over the last 10 years. I mean, 23 of, I think, close to 400 artists. It's very hard to choose, you know, who, who we're going to sure. work with. But, I mean, Derek and I will be live on Facebook at seven o'clock and we'll just be talking about a lot of the music and a lot of the artists uh, who are kind of prevalent in the Montreal scene and who we've been lucky to work with and who we've had just great times with. So sharing the music, sharing the stories, uh, sharing a few laughs and a few other surprises. And, and I mm -hmm. mean, if you join us uh, for that. Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to uh, share the event. And uh, I find it really cool that you're also so involved in the music community. You know, you guys have your band and everything, but you're all just like very involved, you know. And Dave, you've been just working with so many artists. And I know so many artists, I love to record and work with you at Freak Shop. So it's, it's really cool. It's nice of you I'm to looking stay. forward to, uh, mm -hmm. to seeing the show. It's really important. I mean, I think uh, to be a member of a community, you know, mm -hmm. uh, the social world and even yeah. social media is about being social and being amongst people and, you know, and finding uh, a way to help artists. I mean, that's basically... I'd like to add something to that too, because... Um, yeah, sure. I think, um, I mean, I think I know when we started uh, The Damn Truth, I mean, it was just kind of like, um, it was always a challenge for us to find... Uh, to find uh, partners, you know, like I felt like that at the time in Montreal, there was definitely almost no rock and roll happening at all. It was all all that indie thing that was happening, which, you know, you like it or you hate it. It's, uh, that's not the point. 
Um, but we couldn't find our scene. We couldn't find our place. So we decided to create one, you know? And uh, that sense of community with our fans, with our bands, with our artists, it's something that has always from day one been really, really important for us. Um, and uh, we will continue to uh, do so. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's really important to like have a family around you, have a village, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. It's, they say it's like the same for music, it's the same for bands, same for artists. And uh, if we can all support each other, if we can be there for each other, it just makes everything a little bit easier. So we're, we're definitely uh, happy to be a, a part of it, if not at the helm of it. Amazing. That's really awesome. I love that. Uh, so we reached the end of our, uh, our, our workshop today. I wanted to thank you guys so much for taking the time to chat, share your knowledge and answer these questions. Also, thanks to everyone who's been tuning in, Facebook Live. Um, you can subscribe to our workshops on our website. Um, links will be posted in the chat. Uh, we're at Syncopated Noise on social media platforms. Make sure to follow The Damn Truth as well on their social media platforms to see what they're up to. Uh, we also have a donation link we'll be posting as well. Uh, this is how we're able to keep these events free for everyone. Uh, we have our next workshop in September. And I'd like to also lastly thank uh, Factor Canada, along with Quaid, for making this event possible and everyone who's made a, a donation, a contribution to the foundation. Uh, we also have, um, next weekend, we have a show that's coming up. It's a hybrid VR show called Immerse Montreal. We hope to see you there. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us today, for taking the time to chat. Have a great uh, show, Tom, <laughs> Nila. Take care and we'll chat soon. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Us. Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye.